Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Well, Mel. Yes, Anita. We find ourselves on Pi Day. Did you even know it's Pi Day? I did not. 3.14. Mm. Well, this is coming out tomorrow. We find ourselves on the day after pie day. <laughs> Are you eating pie? I forgot it was pie day. I have not prepared any pies. Okay. but well, I'm not eating any pies, but I want some. Do you want to not be on keto? I'll bring you some pie. No, I just want a keto pie. <laughs> There's no such thing as a good keto pie. You don't know that. I know that. For a fact. What did we do last night? Um, we had two amazing Zoom meetups yesterday that we were able to go to. Thanks to our friend Autumn who headed them up. Yeah. It was kind of nice. We had a little bit smaller groups and we were able to interact a little bit and kind of figure out what's going to work going forward. So hopefully you found them uh, useful if you were able to attend. Yes. We went to both of them and they were both different. And they were fun. Yeah. They kind of both took the, on their own personality. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, we are going to start something where we try to do that every second Saturday. I thought you were going to say every second. We're going to have one going every second. Ooh. I'm going to have to up my Zoom prescription <laughs> or Zoom subscription. <laughs> that sounds like a new, a new, uh, 
ADHD medication. <laughs> Zoom. I need it. Zoom for your Zoom meetings. Seriously. Yeah. Well, thanks, Autumn, especially for stepping up and helping us with those. And it was fun to meet a lot of you, a lot more of you. Yeah. Thanks for participating. We love meeting you. And we are always so glad to hear when it has helped you. So yeah. thanks for the feedback as well. And for those that did not join, stay tuned for our next one, and we will let you know when that is. Yep. And good news, my what? son who started a fire in the toaster during the first Zoom meeting, it did not catch anything else on fire. Good. Yeah. We also have some good news for both of us collectively. It's the truth. Tell them. No, you. You guys. After many, many toilings and troublings and outfits we finally have our bank account what what it's true it's official the lady from the bank called us and said you're good to go now we can buy tacos yay and i'm excited about that why don't you tell me about your week this week anita yeah i have a cancer scan on the same day i'm supposed to go to the dmv on the same day I'm supposed to go to the doctor, and then I have to get my tooth pulled out. Did you know that we also have a podcast interview? Yes. Doctor Day? Add yes. that in there. I know. It's gonna All be of that's crazy. on the same day. Yeah. Well, not the tooth pulling. That's the next day. Okay. But still, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. I'm super nervous about the DMV. You're not you're not nervous about the cancer doctor appointment, but you're nervous about the DMV. Tell me I, why. I'm worried that you know they make you look in that little box, yeah, to to see if you can still see. And I'm nervous that I'm not going to be able to see. And they're going to tell me I need glasses, actual glasses, not actual just blue glasses. light glasses. Yeah, like you have not just pretend glasses, but actual glasses. Why are you worried about that, Anita? Let's unpack that. <laughs> I don't know. It's an unreasonable fear, but. What if I find out that I, you know, can't actually see and I'm geriatric? Well, if this helps you feel any better, and it probably won't, I couldn't see when I was in junior high. And I got these things that are kind of newfangled. They're called contacts. <gasps> no. I've heard of them. Yeah. So if that happens to you, I am willing to be your support animal to help you. It means I'll have to go to the eye doctor and get a prescription and then take that prescription to a place that gives you glasses and or contacts. Do you see how many steps that is? Yeah, but do you know what else you can do? What? You can do those companies that have home try-on kits. I'm not naming names because I want them to sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> they have to pay us. Okay. But I've done that before. They're awesome. So I'm here for you. I know all about the contacts and the glasses. It's going to okay. be fine. Okay. I'll help you with all the steps. Okay. Very then good. Then you can... Start looking cool. That's just what I want. Okay, I'm that was kidding. rude. I'm not offended. I so. have a couple things coming up this week that are not as scary. What? Tomorrow I'm recording video for a project I've been doing. So I, I laid down some tracks, some piano tracks for a project, and now they just have to do the video part of it. So I have that and then kind of just the usual. So nothing really exciting. Nothing like you, which means I'm available for you. It's good because you're going to take me to the dentist for them to pull yeah. out my naughty tooth. Oh, that's right. That's this. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys, before my husband died, having a bad tooth, I am super sensitive about my teeth. Um, like, 
I love to floss my teeth. It's one of my favorite pastimes. And even after being a widow, never did I miss a day of flossing. That's how much I love it. So I had a crown and it like started decaying under my crown. And I didn't know that because I was like busy being a widow. And then it fell off and the dentist is like, we can't save it. So gross. Do you want to hear a story that will make you feel less gross? Yeah. My friend that does my hair, her dad's a dentist and she's down there this weekend at his place. And he looked at her tooth. It's been bothering her. And he pulled it out, and there was pus inside. Oh, does that make you feel better? That's about terrible. Yours? Yeah, it just it makes me feel like I've failed myself somehow. So I'm worried about glasses and dental and oral hygiene. Okay, not cancer. <laughs> I want you to repeat that sentence back and really internalize it. Okay. I'm worried about my eyesight and dental hygiene. It's not fine. cancer. Not cancer. Okay. Such okay. is the brain of a widow mm-hmm. all over the place. And not make, not making any sense. What was that? Sometimes <laughs> irrational. That was almost like a Moira Rose accent that just came out of my mouth. Oh, she's my favorite. Oh, man. In other news, guess what else I did today mel what i got online and first looked at cotopaxi bags and then i looked at headstones what Mm -hmm. what you're gonna die when i tell you the reason don't die really i won't so in the united states they're gonna send us money and i was like i should use this money to buy a headstone isn't that like the lamest use of the stimulus money they're going to send us? Well, for you, I would say no, it is not lame because anybody that's listened to us knows your hangups with headstones. So I think it's great if the stimulus check is what's fueling you to get it done. Yeah. I support you. So I showed some to my daughter and got her input because she's old enough to kind of not choose. Like if I asked my sons, they'd be like... Let's get a a statue with a flamethrower, you know, or something ridiculous. But my my friend's friend got a turtle headstone, a turtle shaped headstone. That's cool. It's really cool. I did ask my daughter if she wanted a clock tower, and she was like, "Yes." And then I was like, "I'm joking. We can't have a clock tower. I want a wardrobe, like in Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe, and then you can open it for your headstone. Yep, and then it takes you to Narnia." That's going to be expensive. You're going to need double the stimulus checks, at least. You know what, though? I think it's because I had a strange dream last night. Kind of a visitation dream. Ooh. Do you ever have those? I don't know that I could say I've felt like they're visitation dreams. I've had dreams, and most of the time, Jason's mad at me in the dreams. Those are most of my dreams, too, and... It always shakes me up. Sometimes I have these dreams where they feel more real. And I always wonder if they are. And if the reason that I'm having them is because maybe Scott is haunting or creeping on me in the night. And then my consciousness picks it up and winds it into a dream. Or maybe I just was watching a strange show before bed. Probably any of that. A combo of both, maybe. But the thing that was interesting about it is... 
when I was around Scott in this dream that I had last night, he wasn't mad at me. He wasn't necessarily not talking to me. He just seemed normal. And his habits were very common to Scott. So he was a kind of guy that would just hang back in the corner and wait for you to finish what you're doing and then casually approach you. And that was in my dream. But then I was bugged because I was like, you haven't seen me for how long? And I haven't seen you. You should be running up to me. Look what all I've been doing. Sweeping me up in your arms and twirling me around in circles while kissing my face. No, giving me a sandwich. (laughs) And he just kind of was Scott. So Just waiting for you to get done with what you were doing. Yeah. So it was kind of nice to have a dream where he was in it, not mad at me, and he didn't feel totally jarred. Who knows what it was? Do you think that it was, like, a message that he is, like, sitting back in the corner and watching you and watching what your your performance, quote, unquote, in this life without him? Yeah, that actually crosses my mind a lot. And that would make sense as far as the things that happened in my dream and how I felt. I feel like that all the time. I feel like... I always feel like somebody's watching me. Like that. Yeah. Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But the Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But the Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Mm. pretty much yeah so i don't know who knows what it is for real we can't scientifically measure it but it was interesting it was like i was it was like i was in a different dimension and i was on the other side and i could see all of the stuff that we are dealing with right now and i could see the scenery and all the stuff but then i was where scott was and i knew i was going to be coming back and it was interesting and so i just took away from it that He's watching. I can't see him. He's aware of things. And he's still not talking to me. <laughs> and he but didn't whatever. bring you a sandwich either. He didn't bring me a sandwich. He knows you're on keto and you can't have a sandwich anyway. I can't. I need lettuce wrap sandwiches. Ooh, so That sounds nah. good. Have you had any um, traumatic dreams? Mm, just usually when I'm having a dream about Jason, it's there's something that's keeping us apart, you know? And it's like, like I said, like he won't talk to me or he he's mad at me or, or something like that. And I'm just like, what? You know, I can't think of one in the in the last little while that's been like that, though. I've had some wild dreams, but they've not included Jason. But you woke up and you felt like it wasn't it, it didn't make you feel weird or upset or I didn't feel traumatized. Did you feel comforted or nothing? Just like it just was. I I felt in between normal 
and comforted. Mm. So, you know, when you wake up sometimes and you have a dream you want to remember and you're trying so hard and as the day goes on, it dissipates. It hasn't totally dissipated. And it's kind of fun to go back and think about it. Like I'm, I'm enjoying looking back and processing it. Yeah. So I would say a positive dream, which is a nice change over a bunch of nightmares, which I have had in the past. So, Ugh. yeah. Um, Brains are interesting. So this is, I'm going back to our Zoom meetings all of a sudden because we had some people join us who are so newly widowed and I was so, I'm so excited to think of these terms, but they're widow babies. And just listening to our widow baby friends. You're such a widow widow baby. baby. Um, I feel like sometimes in the new stages, we put so much pressure on ourselves to try and have everything figured out. And I'm not that far out, but even from two years out, I can look back and think like you should just... It's going to take time and just come to terms with that and know that you don't have to have everything figured out right now. And it can look really pretty ugly for a while, and that's totally fine. Do you feel like time is just so skewampus, especially in those early days, that that's one of the reasons why we feel that we should be further along than we are even though it's just been several weeks? Yeah, I mean, time for sure is crazy. But I also think it's that we're feeling so much pain that we just want to come up with a way to get through it quickly or or figure out how we're going to make it. And so we try and make plans or we try and come up with tactics to try and figure out our quote-unquote new normal and get to it. And it's like... You don't figure out this new normal, even though I know people have issues with that term. You don't figure that out for a while. You don't figure that out within the first few months or year. It takes probably a long time to really settle in and figure out how you're going to do it. So basically, you've been through a bombing and now you have to clean up the rubble. I mean, even think of something physical, like a building being torn down. It it takes time to clear away the debris and find make up new plans, and rebuild yeah. the building. And, I mean, I feel like you're tr- sometimes we try and build the building before we've cleared away the rubble. It's like you got you to gotta come to terms with living in a tent for a while. and You're camping. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're just eating Doritos and, um, only. Vienna sausages, which nobody mm-hmm. wants to eat those. I like them. No, you don't. I do. I can I don't care. I don't have standards anymore, Anita. I never I'm did. okay with little smokies, but when they're all soggy in the can, that's where I draw okay. the line. Yeah, I, but I think that you're right. I think that there's just so much going on. And I, I am three-ish years out, and I'm still every day, like, finding new things, trying to, trying to claw my way out of the hole, although it's less volatile than in the beginning, if that makes any sense. It does. I I remember just really feeling like, especially with my kids, like we have to have a a plan of attack. We need to have a strategy. We need to have a system. We need to have a schedule, all of these things. And looking back, it's like, nah. (laughs) So to all of our widow baby friends, just know that whatever you got right now is good enough and don't try and 
build too much too quick. And if that means you're breathing and you put clothes on, or even if you didn't put clothes on and you're just breathing. As long as you didn't go to the grocery store that way. Otherwise, you might get get arrested. arrested. Mm -hmm. Hey, Mel, should we do our Patreon shout out? Yes. To all our lovely patrons. We'll start with the dead husbands, shall we? We shall. From our secret dead husband... By the power of Grayskull, widows unite! That was the best ever. We'll continue with Constance Dahlbach, David Kelly, Don Satterwhite, Ivan Meisner, Kat, Katie Kuntz. You ready for the widow wives and the widow besties? Mm hmm. Amy Sapp, Ashley Hahn, Ashley Han, Danielle Catterberg, Dennis Brazo, Jenny Taylor, Jenny Wang. Kirsten Stromberg Laura Bradbury Rachel Barbosa Sarah Morris Sylvia the Shore The Winehouse Karen Anna Tracy Christina Scambato Christine Anderson Diana Becker Emily Thornton Emily Toledo Who is not from Toledo, by the way. Nope. Aaron Posick Gabe Lozano Ileana Bell Ruiz Jamie Aliota, The Corned Beef and Cabbage Specialist Hane Rondale <laughs> Jenny Whose birthday is today? Happy birthday, which means it was yesterday The Fancy Lady Katie Radcliffe Carascara Lori Farrington Marie Hoffman Marjorie Lewis Mary McGowan Shannon Helm Tammy Schwartz Black Wendy Valerian Root Packer Thank you so much for all of your support It's really fun when we read out your name And now we actually know who a lot of you are Especially from the Zoom meetings Put a face with the name If you're not signed up for our Patreon And would like to help support us keep the podcast going And help more widows Check us out at patreon.com Slash WWDN There are four tiers And lots of fun things that come with each tier If you just want to buy us tacos, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now. And don't forget to join our private Facebook group if you are a widow. It's the Widow Wives Club. Answer all the questions. Please don't make us search for information. The end. I'm excited for our episode today. Me too. Should we get to it? Yep. This episode is sponsored by the Meisner Family Foundation. In memory of Elizabeth Meisner. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. We're two young widows trying to figure out widow Widow, we we do do now. Mel, who are we talking to right now? We are talking to the super cool Melissa Pierce, who is a widow like us and has a lot more experience also than us. Hi, Melissa. Hi, guys. How are you? Great. Thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be here. Tell us where you are joining us from, Melissa. I am joining you from the beautiful Oregon coast in a little town called Manzanita. It's about uh, oh, about an hour and a half drive from Portland. Do they um, grow apples there? No, but I was thinking about that. Yeah, Manzanita is because um, Manzana Spanish. doesn't Manzana mean apple in Spanish? Isn't oh. there a drink? Isn't there a soda? Manzana like- Soul. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, I like it too. I don't know. You know what? There's a grocery store called the Little Apple. 
Mm. And it's not, I never put it together. So yes, it's, it has something I to do with I think some research needs to be undertaken to find out yes. why this town is called that. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I just bing the light bulb flash. It's like, oh, that's why they call it the little apple grocery store. So you're on the coast, right? Yes. Can you see the yes. ocean from your window? I can't. We're about uh, about a half a mile away from the ocean, but I, sometimes I can. We, we can we can hear it, or I can hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you ever feel ripped off by the ocean in Oregon? Because you want it to be like ninety degrees, and it's never. Yeah. Actually, there's people that do swim in it. They have wetsuits, and I um, I see them almost daily with their little boogie boards. There's actually a crew of people who are probably in their seventies, and they kind of, I guess if they could walk in slow motion, they they would because they're this gang of 70-year-olds with their wetsuits and their boogie boards and they go out and they play in the surf and hoop and holler. It's like, gosh, I want to be like them. How do <laughs> we totally... sign up for that club? I know, right? I'm too afraid to ask them like who they are because they're the cool kids, you know? Also, the cold water, mm-hmm. if you jump in it, it'll mm-hmm. jumpstart your your circulation right so maybe that's why they're so spry oh yeah i never thought about that yes yeah it's quite a jolt to um to put your feet in that water to get into that water it's usually like 53 degrees i think that's pretty cold that's two degrees colder than david letterman's studio was a fun fact (laughs) were you in david letterman's studio yes and he liked to keep it at 55 degrees it was freezing oh wow is that because he didn't want to have like pit stains in his suit and glistening probably probably okay well we have gotten ourselves derailed before we even got anywhere i love it tell us about how you became a widow tell us your story well um back in 2011 it was january and um my husband dave and our two kids were living in the eastern oregon so I'm originally from Portland, but moved to Eastern Oregon in a little town called the Grand um, because Dave was a school teacher and he got an opportunity to teach K through 12 music. And he was teaching math like his whole career, but he was a musician, he played bass and trombone and all the things and was in bands and stuff. So he's like, oh, my God, let's do this. He was from Eastern Oregon. So we thought, what a great place to raise our kids because we had just adopted our uh, two boys from the Oregon foster care system. So they were five and seven when we adopted them. But when we, when we moved, I think they were seven and nine. So we're living in Eastern Oregon. Um, I am a city girl, so it's really, really foreign to me to live in a smaller town. And in the Eastern part of the state, you have the seasons, you've got snow, you've got, you know, um, hot you have the four seasons and on the western side of the state it's just a lot of rain and then you usually have a beautiful summer not too much snow so like that first winter we were hit with like i don't know three or four feet of snow and i i really did not thrive there it was not a good spot for me because we were pretty isolated in the house that we lived in and i was working remotely so my job was in portland but i was able to work remote. And so I was like alone all the time and it just did not work for me. I'm an extrovert. I needed to be around people. So I felt really isolated. Um, but it was actually a really good place for the four of us 
the two boys and Dave and I to just kind of bond as a family because we were pretty a pretty new family at that point. Um, so in, in 2011, it was just a typical, you know, winter January and I go into the bedroom because and where Dave was sleeping and he did not wake up. Like I looked at his, like his mouth was open and I, his leg was kind of out and it was out of the sheets and it was gray. And I was like, what the hell? Like, what's going on? So I'm shaking. I'm like, wake up. And like, I knew he, like he was cold, you know, he was, he was dead. And my youngest, my oldest son was in Portland on a field school field trip. So my youngest son was, was with me and I was, I couldn't find my phone for some reason. I'm screaming and yelling and he's like, mom, mom, what's going on? And I'm like, don't come back here. You know, don't come back here. And I finally realized, oh, I have a landline for my work. So I picked up the phone, I called 911 and um, it took them like an hour to get there because we had had a storm. And so there was a lot of ice and snow up our hill. So, um, they, when I was on with the operator, they told me how to do CPR, which I knew how to do, and I was doing it, but I knew that he wasn't alive. Um, and so I waited for the paramedics to come. And so it was just me and my youngest son, Bryce. And so he, I, I went out to the living room where he was, and I had to tell him what had happened. And that's like the worst thing you know, Anita, I know you have kids and to tell them, you know, what had happened. And I had to call my, my son in Portland and my brother and his family were on their way to pick him up and bring him to me. But um, yeah, it was just a nightmare. Um, he was in good health. He had had a, a, like a full physical three or four weeks before, you know, perfect cholesterol, you know, all the things he was, you know, a healthy specimen. He was only 46. And um so the medical examiner just, I really don't honestly know it, like how he died or what caused his death because I didn't have an autopsy done because they would have had to send his body to Portland or to Boise. And at the time I'm making funeral arrangements and I'm like, what? No, you're not sending his body anywhere. You know, like his body's staying here. Um, and so they, they did a, you know, medical examination and they just determined that he had sleep apnea, which he did. He snored and a respiratory illness that somehow he just stopped breathing. But um, I, I never will know. Do you regret that sometimes that you, or maybe wish that you actually knew, but also knowing that even with an autopsy, sometimes you still don't get a good answer? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, if, if the boys were genetically our, you know, genetically our, I would have done it, but because just to see like, oh, is there like some hereditary weird anomaly that um, that they need to know about? And this is where I made this determination at the funeral home because they were talking about embalming him. And I'm like, wait, well, wait, like, how do you how do you do a, an examination or an autopsy on him when when you're going to embalm him? And and that's when I had to like figure it all out and talk to the medical examiner and and all that stuff. But I ended up I did see a couple psychics because I wanted answers. And that's the best place to go. Yes. <laughs> that's the best place to go for me. Um, so a couple of years later, I just like, hey, um, can you ask him like how he died? 
Yeah, and both of them, well, both of them kind of, they indicated that he had um, something go on with his lungs, so probably a clot of some kind that, that went up and lodged in his head, like or some kind of a embolism of some kind. Um, so, and both of them indicated that, and I didn't... I didn't give them any, you know, I didn't give them my last name because I didn't want them to Google me and kind of give me the answers, all that stuff. But so, you know, I just, that's just something I will just never, never know. But it's, he just died in his sleep. That's what I tell people. Question. So we have a lot of widows that like to turn to psychics because we all want to know what the heck, right? Did you have experiences with mediums before this? No, actually, my mom, I I was raised Catholic, and my very Catholic mom gave me the name of a psychic, which is, (laughs) which she got from a friend of hers whose um, son had died. And they were, they were just convinced that through this psychic, they were able to speak to their son. So she was telling my mom this. And so my mom's like, well, Melissa, you should go see the psychic. And um, so I ended up doing that about a year after Dave died. And, um, I just got some really, really good, like it was him. It was him. There was stuff that she knew that there was no way, no way. It's crazy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. She picked up the the guitar, the trombone, um, you know, everything that he played, our dog that, that, that died and what our dog looked like. And the dog brought him in like our dog buddy kind of because well what had happened Wait, is when i saw did he have a seeing eye dog in heaven i think so like he reunited with buddy our dog this, i don't An know emotional don't support know. angel crazy. dog emotional. exactly um yeah and it was it was just crazy because my my dad had, had died and so he came in i'm like this is great dad i love you I, this is great to talk to you i'm you're not the person i want to talk to you know? <laughs> the grandma away. thanks for coming in i love you but could, you know but i didn't want to indicate to her that that's you know i was still kind of skeptical so i went and so then he he came in third um that's interesting yeah. that you had yeah. so many so many spirits come in i know of one friend that went to a medium to talk to a, a deceased friend and it was so it was so on point with how this person was in life anyway and and the medium said whoever you're here to talk to doesn't want to talk to you yet they're not ready so come back in a month (laughs) it's like what and i actually saw a medium too for scott and a lot of the stuff that you're saying like is resonating with me too where it's like there are things that were said where it's like there's no way they would have known those things um but it brought a lot of comfort and it was so interesting to see how the personality of your person can still come through another person that was one thing that was surprising to me yeah she was a uh, i guess there's different types like there's mediums that can see there's mediums that can hear like auditory she was more auditory and symbols and so she kept like t- bringing these symbols in like musical instruments it's like yeah that's him you know and then I think everything had to come through her filter, um, but she was really spot on. And she even um, she even told me this was a year out, and she told me that um, Dave had picked a person out for me to to um, like my husband. Now he picked Sean out. He why are they he, always doing that? I feel like they always do that I with don't the know. mediums. 
it was weird. And I, but at that time, I was not wanting to hear that or really ready to hear that. But she's like, he, you will have love again. He has chosen him for you. And does that feel sort of creepy and controlling, even it, though it's yes, not? I was just going to say, are you like, why do you yeah. get to choose for me? Don't yeah. I get to yeah. choose for me? Exactly. 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 No. But, uh, you know, I trust him. Like, I talk to Dave every day, like, I, all the time. Like, I'm always like, like, we have we have our kids together. And so, so and my kids are 20 and 23 now. But um, I'm always like, hey, you're still our parent. Like, you need to go talk to them. Or you need to, like, enter their heart some way and, you know, relay these messages to them because they still need you. You know, you're, and so I'll be like, hey, go talk to them about this. Have you noticed that? <laughs> it works how can you tell i don't know May, I, you know i don't because i don't tell my kids this stuff they think i'm crazy anyway sometimes but um and they're boys and they're boys um yeah you know i think they it 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 was so traumatic you know both my boys had experienced trauma before i even got them you know in foster care and they had already lost um their birth father to a heroin addiction and then they, then their adoptive father, their their forever dad dies too. I mean, who who does that happen to? You know, I wanted like, to ask about that because adopting kids through the foster system is in and of itself like a crazy, crazy journey. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that came about? Why you guys decided to foster and all of the things related? Yeah. Um, so we. We got married, Dave and I got married, I think I was 34, he was 36. So, you know, a little little bit older. And we put off having, you know, trying for kids. And then when it became time to like, hey, let's let's do this. You know, at that point, we're a little bit older. And so we experienced infertility. And it was like, we, um, we're we not doing this. We don't do yeah, this. Yeah, we're like, this is not happening. But, let's you know, we this. wanted let's to have this. a Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just having a family was important to us. And so it didn't really matter how that came about. And um, I was never like a baby crazy person. Like I don't like holding babies. It makes me really nervous. So it wasn't important to me. To, I'm always like, can you hold your head up? Like talk to me when you can hold your head up. Then I will talk then I will hold you. Talk to yeah. me when you can talk to me also. Yeah, exactly. Like when you can communicate. When you're 14, come to me. Yeah. <laughs> come to me. So it wasn't important to have a newborn, you know, to adopt a newborn. So um, there's just so many kids in the foster care system. It's heartbreaking. And we ended up adopting our two sons, their brothers. Um, and so then they have two older siblings that were um they're not part of the the adoptable sibling group, but we're very open. We've we'd always been really open with with all the siblings and their birth mom too. Was that so, the first the first kids that you fostered? So we went into uh, the foster fostering situation with the intention to permanently adopt them, but there was nine months where it was not certain that. Um, we could adopt them because their birth mom had not terminated her parental rights or the state had not terminated her parental rights. So um, it happened around the, the ninth month. And um, then we were able to legally adopt them. And we did. I think it's a, like kind of funny that it's nine months because that's the same amount of time it takes you to be like pregnant. So you have to like gestate your fostering for nine months and then you get a six-year-old. Yeah. Or whatever. How old were they when you fought, when you were able to adopt them? 
they were five and seven when when we first met them. So they were six and six and eight um, when it became official. But to them, it wasn't like a big deal. Like we went to the court and the judge. We had cupcakes and um, and and went in front in front of the judge and signed the paperwork and had a big party. But to them, it's like they were already like they'd been with us for nine months. They were like we were their parents. So the boys had already been through a traumatizing early start and then they get in your family you guys are happy family and then your husband dies and then Mm -hmm. the medium tells you you're gonna find somebody else and then you do find somebody else i would love to hear that story and also the second thing is how was that on the boys so i like that first year i don't know if you guys noticed this that first year was like i had no idea what was going on i was in complete and utter shock and i think my kids were too so um, it was just like this chill out year where we, I moved back to Portland with the boys, got settled. I, I, I was working full time and then like the trauma was kind of showing up with all of us, all three of us. And with my oldest son in particular, he was having, he was going through puberty and I was, he was 13 when his dad died. Um, and just really, really challenging, challenging time. And I don't blame him, you know, I, it's, it was just so much childhood trauma and not really being able to kind of um, manage his emotions and stuff. So it was, it was really difficult. Um, I was not dating at that time, right? I mean, Sean was the first person I dated, so I wouldn't say I really dated anybody. Um, but at that time I was just trying to get him the help and care that he needed. And I ended up doing that. Um, I, when he was 15, I ended up sending him to a wilderness therapy. Um, he was getting into lots of problems at school and it was just getting really scary. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I I hope it's like, he's 23 now and he's really pulled it together. So I, I have a hard time, like, he probably won't listen to this though. (laughs) <laughs> but um, it was really challenging and he knows it it was really really scary so I did send him to a wilderness therapy for 13 weeks in the middle of um, the ice and snow in central Oregon and then after that he went to a long-term like a uh, kind of boarding therapeutic boarding school type situation in Nebraska and he ended up thriving there and he lives in Nebraska still, and he's graduating college in a month. These are things that I never would have thought that I would ever say. And and we actually talk, he talks to me, and he, you know, like we have a we have a relationship. But I knew that he needed to to get some care that I couldn't give him. So I, I had to wow. make some really really tough tough decisions, That's and really on your tough. own too, oh without somebody yeah. got off and asked. And in I'm, grief. Yeah, I'm sure that you felt that was such a weighty decision because that is a huge, that's not something that you undertake lightly. That's not like sending your kid to the arcade for the afternoon. And wow, I can't, that would be so hard, so heavy to try and make that decision. What was his reaction when you told him he was going to wilderness? I ended up hiring two um, two gentlemen. I had help. I had help and support this whole way. I had, I had these angels. I call them. They're educational consultants. But they 
um, interviewed like my family, every like his principal, everybody at school, his therapist, everybody to get a good picture of what was going on and then to be able to give me recommendations on good placements for him. And they suggested that I did not tell him. So I um, hired, based on their recommendation, I hired two gentlemen to wake him up along with me like at four in the morning and um, tell him what was happening, where he was going, and that these two guys were safe. And, um, and they told me to leave and they packed up. I gave them the 13 pairs of underwear that they told me to pack for him. That's and not a good amount. That doesn't even give I know. Two Wait, just I know. one, one per week. That's stanky. Yeah, one per week. And then they, then they drove for three hours to central Oregon and, um, it's a wilderness um, therapy setting. And so there's therapists, there's, there's, you know, lots of support. And it's just basically to just shock the system because he was just shut down. He was just completely and utterly shut down. And um, it was scary. I was really scared for him. I was really, really scared for him. Um, but I also knew at that point, I was just trusting my gut. You know, I was doing so much self-care. Um, and I was able to really tap into just trusting my decisions, not listening to anybody else, because lots of people have opinions. Um, and I just relied on myself. And I talked to Dave a lot, just like, hey, um, you know, please put the right people in my path. Put, give me the right book. Give me the right, you know, help help me help our kid. And it happened like beautiful people showed up beautiful supporting people his therapists all the all the people that helped us and held our hand all the way through um because i asked for it <laughs> you know i just i'm just like this he can't suffer anymore like we need to like I'm spiritual. So like who what in the spirit realm and in the earthly realm please whoever can help and help is not something that I really like to ask for but at that point I was like get over yourself Melissa ask for help I'm just listening to you tell this story and I'm kind of in awe because it's been what 10 years since your husband died and you're talking about it really calmly and you're talking about it like just really factually and like it happened but the things that you're talking about are so heavy duty and I can imagine that while you were going through those things that it didn't feel so clinical no. and you know so no. I mean yeah. so neutral that back then you you went through you went through hell and oh, seemed it was to have come out on the other hell. side is that is yeah. that fair to say That is absolutely fair to say yeah d- at, during those times those are really dark times. I was worried about my youngest son because he was just kind of background, like, because I was so focused on my oldest son, um, and my youngest son was kind of suffering, and I didn't really realize that until my oldest son was out of the house, and then I could attend to my youngest. Um, but yeah, at that time, people, like, people tell me afterwards, they're like, we're, we were really worried about you. Like, we were really... Um, and I was not working at that time. I decided to to leave my job and just be a full-time mom and go back to school because, you know, thank God I was able to. What were you going to school for? 
I wanted to be, originally I wanted to be a nurse, like, like, that's originally what I wanted to be and not a paralegal, which is what I did. Um, Those two and so I are just not went, the same. Not all. the same at all, at all. I know, but I wanted to help, like be in some kind of a helping profession or I don't know. I was just really called to, to serve or something. And so I did. Otherwise, that. maybe you would have gone to magician school. Right. <laughs> or that medium kind of school. Hey, Melissa, I have a question about your younger son. Because of all the trauma in his life, was he worried since he saw his brother leave that maybe you would die and just people in his life would just keep going away? Yeah, I think for me, that was, I was so aware of keeping my shit together because like they had, so when their birth father died, from what I understand, um, everything went downhill and then they went into foster care and um, they were removed from their birth family. And so all this turmoil. So I wanted to show them that, hey, kids, don't worry about this. Mom's got this. You know, I, everything's under control. Um, But I think my youngest was a little pleaser. And so he would just do anything just to smooth everything over. And that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure to, to put on. I, I, I hope I didn't put that on him, but that's what he felt the pressure to just like, he's not going to make any waves. He's background player. You know, he's, just going to make sure everything is smooth, smooth as silk. Um, and that's a lot, you know, that's a lot for, for a kid. So I was able to, he and I had some like alone time together um, for a couple years. I'm glad to hear that they're doing well. Yeah, they are. I mean, shoot, my, my oldest put him basically put himself through college, like on his own. He ended up getting a great scholarship. Um, and he's studying business and he's he just kind of wants to do it all on his own and um, my youngest is working full-time and he's self-supportive and that's 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 really like um that's really yeah i mean that's what you want your kids to do you want them to be self-sufficient and be able to support themselves and so they're they're doing it which is that yeah. gives me some hope as I'm mm-hmm. in the, you know, in more of the soup right now, trying to make sure that they, we come out on the other side with functional adults. Yes. And a functional yeah. mom also. Yeah. So tell us when and how you met your chapter two. So we, it was about two years after Dave died and I you know, I I got a lot of clarity around, like, I wasn't just going to like, hey, let's just go date. I had two, two boys, you know, I had to be really clear and, um, you know, I had to be cool about this. I just, and, and I actually told them like, hey guys, I think I'm, I think I, you know, might want to date, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And they're like, Ooh, whatever, you know, that's cool. Like, can we play video games? Like, we don't want to, like, don't talk to us about that. But I wanted to, you know, give them a heads up. And um, I ended up just, really, I just kind of wanted to socialize with other people and have some kind of companionship and, like, hang out. Um, so I just would go on, like, group outings, you know, like, I don't know, kayaking or, 
you know, anything that just kind of felt fun to me. That does sound and fun. And I would even bring my kids. Uh, some of them were like, bring your kids and, and do all the things. But I ended up meeting Sean, my uh, chapter two. We were at a dinner and I, um, he was sitting across from me. There was like 12 of us. And he said something where he, um, he had grown up in, in this town in, in Oregon. I'm like, well, I, I grew up there too. And um, so I said, well, you know, what year did you graduate high school? And he's, he's like 1984. I'm like, well, so did I. Like, who are you? Like, we went to high school together. And um, it ends up that we did go to high school together. We went to church together. You know, he had silver hair at this point, so I didn't recognize him. But um, he was in a choir with my brothers. They went to Europe together when they were little kids on their choir trip. And it's like all that, like we lived in our adult life. We lived in another town, like a block and a half from each other. So our whole adult lives, we were like Venn diagram. We were like circling each other's um, orbit. It was really, really strange. Um, Yeah. So, and then we, um, he was the first guy I dated. Like he was just. And it wasn't like, you're the one. And it was just like, hey, you're cool. Let's hang out. Let's go do the things. And um, we just had so much in common. Was he divorced or never married? Or he what was, was divorced? His... He was divorced. And he had three, three children. Two were adults doing their, doing their thing. And then he had a daughter at home. So how was that to integrate a divorce and a widow situation? Did you have any difficulty with that? I feel like that would be really hard because for the divorced person, they're done with that relationship and you're still talking to your husband to ask him what to do. So, yeah, he, uh, when, cause I would always say we, you know, and I still do it like we, when I refer to like things that Dave and I did. And so when we first met, we were talking, he's like, well, you keep saying we, who's we? And I'm like, Oh, my husband, my, my husband. And he's like, Oh, your ex-husband. I'm like, no, my husband died. It's like, Oh, he kind of like, Oh, and then he's like, but then he's like, well, tell me about him. And I, I was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to like, I don't want to talk about him right now. So I really didn't, you know, the first few dates, but then he was just really inquisitive. He was like, he just really wanted to know about him. And the more I talk about him, and he really encouraged me to talk about him. And that was number one on my list because I made a list before I dated. I made, it was like two and a half pages of things that I wanted in partnership. If I was going to be in our date or partnership or whatever, these are, these are the things. And a lot of them were deal breakers. And number one was he has to respect my relationship with my husband. Like I have two husbands. I have my husband who died and I have my husband in this life, but he's got to respect that and be okay with it. And if he's not, that's fine, but you're not for me. And he would just really, like, I have pictures of Dave in the house, and he, um, my youngest accepted him, Sean, as, like, his parent, so he knows he has a dad who died, but but he also really likes that father figure energy, and so he considers Sean his parent. Um, He's my had, oldest, like, a billion parents. Yeah. He had, like, three dads. I know, like... Actually, that's kind of cool, you know, if, like you have three dudes who really cared about you and yeah. um, and loved you and, and support you. So, yeah. It's so nice to hear when there are men out there that are open to being with a widow 
and that not only are okay with pictures being up, but encourage you to talk about it. Or we hear some stories like that and it's, I don't even know if I would be able to do that for somebody else. You know, it's, that's a huge, a huge thing in a relationship. So props to all those good guys out there. Yeah. It's just uh, a lot of very gracious. Again, like, I don't like Mel, I don't know if I would be that, that cool about it. But he's really secure in who he is. And um, like he, we have Google calendars, a shared Google calendar, and he put in all the anniversary dates, the death anniversary. It's because he wanted to remember them. And he didn't want to have to remember them in his brain. <laughs> he didn't want to be responsible for, like, why is Melissa freaking out right. today? That, that's the whole thing. It's like, oh, the, okay, so if I know this a week in advance, I know that, like, why she's freaking out or, or, or why she is, you know, you know, in the mood that she's in or whatever. But it's just really thoughtful. It's like, wow. Yeah. Cool. It's, it's amazing to see that he doesn't avoid it and just is like, well, that guy's dead. Like, let me just pretend that it doesn't exist and have Melissa all to yeah. myself. Yeah. He's a cool guy. How did the integration go with his kids and your kids? You said that two of them were, were adults, but did they kind mm -hmm. of join into your family or they, were they more kind of on their own? So didn't kind of have that vibe to it or tell us about that. The, so his youngest daughter was living with him. And so we kind of, um, what was it? it was like four years after Dave died, we combined households. We lived together and so it was my youngest and his youngest and it was a little it was a little rough because his daughter has a mom and then I was kind of the parent you know role so but you know we worked our way through it we did some counseling and I read some really good books one called Step Monster <laughs> which Ooh. I guess I'm the I'm the step monster, uh, but it was really enlightening to kind of like dig into like oh okay this is why this makes sense why she's behaving the way she is and it's so hard yeah how how old was she when you guys got married? She was sixteen. Yeah, oh, that's just I mean yeah. that's just hard. Yeah, it's hard to be yeah. a human when you're sixteen. Things are right. Hard. But we have a like she calls me her parent. You know like. Um, all of our kids get along, all of our, you know, extended families, my mom and Sean's mom are like best friends and they go, you know, they go walk and they do all the things. I you were going to so say water really... skiing and I was going to be like, oh my God. Cool. They're the ones at the beach with the boogie yeah. boards. <laughs> They're the cool kids. So Melissa, you wrote a book. I did. When? I wrote it in, well, let me see. I started it in 2016. It took me about a year with some help and I published it in 2017 um, but it's just about the extraordinary experience it's the, the very first page starts with the day I met my kids and kind of goes on to you know moving through time and Dave's death and you know how I moved myself and my kids through this you know unimaginable time um and also just um you know meeting sean and you know all the things it was because people would say i would tell them my story or like give them a like a 30 second overview of what happened they're like oh my god you need to write a book <laughs> like that's 
that's a, a bit much. And so I thought, yeah, I should write a book just to get it down was cathartic. And also I think it's kind of helpful because there weren't a ton of books for me to read. What is the name of your book, Melissa? It's called Filled with Gold. And what that means to me is there's the Japanese art of kintsugi. I don't know if you you know about that. So like when pottery breaks, the the Japanese artisan puts the pieces back together with like gold or silver lacquer. So the piece is more beautiful than when before it was broken. And so that just that imagery just really means a lot to me because that's how I felt. You know, I felt like my heart was broken and it was shattered and I just pieced it together and with with gold. Yeah. So instead of the yeah. instead of the vase being ruined yeah. It's not ruined. It's made yeah. even more beautiful because yeah. of the character it's given. Yeah. And it's given more value. I love that too because the vase was beautiful before, but after it was broken, it's more beautiful and more unique. And there's no other vase that's just like it. Yeah. It's different. You yeah. know, I'm different. I'm a, my heart's different. And they could choose to repair it with super glue. You know, or Which try not and so pretty. turn it yeah. so you can't see that broken part, but instead they're highlighting the broken part. Right. So that is, yeah. that's yeah. lovely to think about yeah. it that way. Where can people find your book, Melissa? It's on Amazon. No. Yes, I know. Melissa, you also have something that's very cool and new that we would love to talk about. Will you tell us about your newest endeavor? Oh, I would love to. Like, who starts a business during a pandemic? You know, I guess I do. Yeah, and you do. I mean, people are doing it. But I just, I was like, what do I, I just want to serve. I just want to, like, help widows move through this awful time and just also know that it does get better. Like, you can feel better. It does take some time. But what what really did it for me was self-care. Like, the minute I started really taking care of myself, then I could take care of my kids. And, um, and I know that was like weird for me because I never was somebody to really put myself first, but I realized I had to do that. And so um, I did all the things, anything that made me feel good. So I took a lot of hot baths. I got pedicures. I tap danced. I, um, yeah, I learned how to tap dance. This one is made... not a traditional self-care go-to, the tap dance. Tap, tap dancing is a total self-care. <laughs> Melissa, we would be such good friends because that's actually what I want to do. You're my, you're my people. I learned when I was a kid, but and I have my old tap shoes, but I was a kid. But I want to do it as an adult. Oh, you totally should. Do you, you still should. do it? Yeah, well, right. I was taking a class right when the uh, quarantine hit. So I was like at the tail end of my um, tap dancing class because I, I kind of stopped doing it a couple, for a couple of years. I am not good by any means. I am not like doing any dance recitals, but it just it made me feel good. I was really present when I was tap dancing. I wasn't thinking about the past. I wasn't thinking about the future because I had to be present so I wouldn't have fallen on my face. You know, like I had to like listen to the rivet. So it was a really nice way for me to be present and not future trip or anything like that. So um, yeah, so anything, uh, just uh, the grief was really in my body, I felt, and it was stuck there. And so I just had to move it out. 
So I walked, I did yoga, I, um, yeah, tap dancing and just anything to, that felt good on my body, I, I did. And so, and at that point, I was really able to like tap into my gut and then really make these hard decisions that I was making because I was clear. I could get clear. The, the grief was moving through. I was able to process it. And um, so self-care is like huge for me. And when the pandemic hit and I was like, I, I want to do something. And I got a subscription box. I signed up for just some crazy subscription box. I'm like, this is great. I mean, like this shows up on my door, my doorstep and with a box of goodies and I get to take some time out and care for myself. This is awesome. So I thought, gosh, back when I was, you know, really going through the thick of things when I was, you know, the first year or two, even three, four years, I wish I had something like this showing up on my doorstep, a box of you know, resources and self-care items that I could like go tuck myself away for a little bit of time and treat myself with some kindness and compassion because, you know, I wasn't really doing that um, for a while. And I was actually moving to some unhealthy habits. Like I was trying to soothe myself with alcohol and um, things like that. So um, the minute I started taking care of myself, it was a game changer. So I'm like, this is a game changer for, for widows. This, like, I can, I can put resource, all the resources that I tapped into, like Modern Widows Club, um, podcasts weren't a big thing back in 2011, or even the past, like 2011, 2014, I don't even think I knew what a podcast was, but I created a self-care um, widow support guide um, that has all these, a free guide that has all these resources and all the self-care things that I did, all the, the way I changed, uh, like talking to myself. I wasn't very kind in the way I, I talked to myself. So I had affirmations that I would say to myself. And um, so I've got that all in this, in this free guide that's on my website. And I'm also going to include those types of resources in each monthly box. I think it's just so important. Oh man, that's so cool. So you started a subscription box for widows during the pandemic and have you launched it yet? I launched it at the time of this recording. Um, I launched it 10 days ago. So that would be like late February is when I launched it. Exciting. So what are some of the details if somebody wants to send a, f a widow friend, a widow box or a subscription, what are the options? So they can go to my website, which is www.filledwithgold.org. And there's options to give this as a gift. And I like how um, you guys call them grief civilians, like, like the, the supporters, the, like we all have them, people that care about us, but just don't know what to do. Um, I like to call them widow champions, you know? So there's a spot where you can, um, you don't know what to do or say or help, you want to comfort your person, you can give this as a gift. Um, if, if you're a widow and you feel like, gosh, I really need this, you can purchase it for yourself. But there's just a one-time box or you can do a three, six or 12 month subscription. I love those. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so much fun. It's so fun to get a, a little package of surprises on your door. Sometimes you're having a crappy day and you open it up and it's like, oh, there's some socks in there or 
or some other fun things. Now, now we did talk before this recording. Um, where are you getting some of your products from? My first box I've been trying to source from like around the Oregon coast. Uh, women-owned businesses is very important to me. And I'm trying to figure out how to tap into the widow, like widows who make the things. I know there's widows that make soaps and um, body care products, um, books. Um, I'm trying to tap into that more because I would like to like widows helping widows. I would like to have this, this cycle of um, I, actually, the books that I put in there are all um, from you know widows who have written about their experience. I love that. So not only are you helping widows with the box, but you're also helping widows who are are producing something. So if you have something, if you're a soap maker or a other thing maker, you should get in touch with Melissa. Body care, and other candle. Things. I know. I was like, I can't yeah. think of anything else to make. Yeah, Food. I have free YouTube yeah. crafts. That's already out there. So, and Melissa, you're in our Widow Wives Club on Facebook, correct? So yes. if you are a widow that has a business that might pair well with Melissa's business, can they reach out to you there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure your website too. So she's in there. And Melissa is super fun and interactive, and I love how warm of a person you are, Aww. Melissa. Like, you're just and that so you're sharing cool. your crazy story with us after you've kind of gone through the peak of the terrible osity, and you're able to show us that you can be a rock star and be filled with gold through through your, you know, your experience that was awful. Oh, I love that. It's you. you know how I think sometimes we think of. How long is this widowhood journey going to last? I'm in my third year. Anita's in her second year. You're in what Ten. your tenth year, yeah. and you're still you're still active in the widow community and helping out. Mm -hmm. So, do you feel like it's a lifelong calling to kind of help others when you're on the other side of having received so yeah. much? Yeah, I mean, I consider myself a widow. You know, even though I'm remarried, like I I think they should have a checkbox that says remarried widow because, I mean, that's how I. I so identify with 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 being a widow and that that profound experience of losing the most important person in my life, you know, person I was going to share, you know, everything with the person I had all my hopes and dreams with. So, um, so yeah, I just I I want to serve. I think maybe that's why I was like, oh, I'll go go to nursing school, you know, back in the day. You know, I just wanted to like help. And so this feels like a way for me to help, like all the things that I wanted to get or receive. And I had such a hard time finding resources. I'm going to provide this. All the, you know, your podcast, I'm going to put that on my widow, um, free widows self-care support guide because it's, I mean, it's awesome. Like, I love what you guys do. You just, it just, you just don't feel so alone you know, in this experience. Thank you. We are glad to help any way we can. So our, we're just glad that us blah blahing is helping. Other <laughs> oh my people. God, it is. It <laughs> so is. It really is. So to all our listeners, Melissa has graciously agreed to give our listeners a $5 off coupon per box ordered. And that can be for anybody that listens to the podcast or a grief civilian. So if you do end up getting a box from Melissa's site, type in the coupon code WWDN. 
and you will get that discount. And we will link to that in the show notes and everything. But I think that's so cool. Oh my gosh. I love subscription boxes so much, Melissa. I can't even tell you. It's like Christmas as an adult. It is. It's it's a surprise. <laughs> like everyone's like, oh, what's in the box? It's like, I'm, I can't tell you until you, <laughs> until you get the first one. Like everything's a surprise. Oh, okay. Spoiler alert. Here's a spoiler alert. My my book is in the first box. So, <laughs> okay, okay. So, okay. yes. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us today. It is such a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm glad we've gotten to know you a little bit better. You are so much fun. Thank you. I hope that you leave this interview and go jump in the ocean. And I'm saying that as, like, a good thing, not as a bad thing. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go do that. Uh, at least stick, stick my feet in the ocean. Yeah. With your mom and with Sean's mom. Too. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds amazing. Remember to check out the Widow Wives Club. Answer all the questions. Send us an email if you're having difficulties. We're not going to let you in if you don't answer all the questions. Then remember to check out Patreon if you want to help support the podcast. Patreon.com slash WWDN. You can also buy us tacos from my newest favorite taco place. It's delicious. At buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now. And we hope you found this episode really helpful. And we hope that you'll check out the subscription boxes um, from filledwithgold.org. And until we talk to you next time, I'm Anita. I'm Mel. I'm Melissa. And we're just three broken vases that have been repaired with gold. And we're trying to figure out, widow, we do now. I want my gold to be actually neon. You can get with glitter. I I want it uh, black light. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So if somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.